But let's jump in today. I remember vividly, seventh grade, tried out for the basketball team, and I was little, itty bitty, and I made the B team. Now, how many of you know what it feels like to just make the team? And you don't care if it's the A team or B team, it's just good to make the team, right? And so I made the B team and I was just happy to be there. I was so pumped. And I remember going to the first game and sitting on the bench and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I sat on the bench the entire game. Anybody know the feeling? I know some of you are studs out there and you're just amazing athletes and you've never sat on the bench in your life. But I sat the bench and I watching the guys play and I'm a competitive individual. And even though I was really little, I was scrappy and there was a lot in me and I wanted nothing more than to be in the game. You know how that feels? I just want to be in the game. There's something deflating about watching all the action from the outside. Sometimes I can't stand to watch sports on TV. I'd rather go out in the yard and throw the ball. You know what I mean? I want to do it. I want to get in the game. But think about this. That's just a game. That's just a game. And think about the battles that God has given you. And the things that he's invited you to be a part of in life, and then ask yourself, have I been as eager to get off the bench and into the game as I was on that seventh grade basketball bench? Right? Have I been that eager to get in the game that God has called me to play? See, the flip side, when it comes to battles, you know, battles are real. They're intense. They're heavy. You see things on the battlefield that make you just question your purpose in life. You see things on the battlefield that just kind of turn your stomach a little bit. Man, when you really get into a little conflict in life, man, you second guess yourself. Am I really supposed to be here? Am I really supposed to be doing this? Am I really called for this? Am I really able? Do I have what it takes? Now, I guarantee you that every single one of you have gotten yourself into a battle in life that you got yourself in over your head and you weren't sure you had what it takes. Can I get an amen? amen. Maybe, maybe one of those battles was marriage. You had your expectations set here and you get married and a couple days in, you're like, what? <laughs> this is way different than I thought, right? This is no Disney Channel ending. This is crazy. Maybe it's just me. Pray for me, the weaker vessel. I love you, Jolie. Jolie's my wife, by the way, just in case you didn't know. But when you get into real battles in life, most of the time we don't pray, God, put me in the game. We pray, God, get me out. I cannot even imagine the guys that are in real battle the guys that have gone and fought for our freedom and the things that they've seen. Uh, man, one of, the, one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen was that Hacksaw Ridge, where um, that guy's pulling people off the battlefield left and right. And just imagine what his heart and mind had to been like to carry all that the rest of his life. Unimaginable. And most guys would be saying, get me out. But in the battle that God has given us, he's calling us to all say, God, put me in. Put me in your battle. And so in real life, most of us, we say, man, I can't wait to go home out of the battle. I just want to spend time with family and friends. I just want to not deal with this traumatic loss and these heavy issues. God, I'm not sure I'm going to win this battle. And let's just be real. When, when you get in God's battle, the stakes are way higher. We're talking about life or death. We're talking about heaven or hell. So let's read our text for this series, Ephesians 6, 12. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Oh God, I thank you for our team that led us in worship today. God, your presence is so real. God, it's so with us. God, you're so present. It's in times like these when we, when we spend time together as the body of Christ lift, lifting up your name that we really experience what you meant when you said, Emmanuel, God with us. And God, I pray that as we stare down the battles that you're calling us to face in this life, that we don't back down, that we don't tap out. God, that we don't say, God, get me out of this game but that we, that we walk into the battle with our shoulders squared, ready to meet whatever challenges you have in front of us. Strengthen us, empower us by your word today, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. here we go. So today we're gonna discuss our mission, our mission. And we're gonna ask ourselves the question, am I on the battlefield? Because this is no game, this is a battlefield. You see, Jesus didn't just tell us to be good, right? He didn't call us to just be good people. He didn't just tell us to love people, although he did tell us to do that, but that's not all he told us to do. He didn't just tell us to live right. I talked about that last week. He gave us a very distinct mission and call, and he has provided everything that we need to accomplish and complete our mission. Think about that. He's given you everything Everything's a big word. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the power of him, through the knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. That's scripture. He's given you everything that you need. And so how do I stay on mission? How do I stay in the game and off the bench? I know that we have three different groups of people here this morning. We've got unbelievers, people who have not begun a relationship with Christ, and for you, this message is about purpose. You see, we believe that if we aren't accomplishing our mission that God has given us, then we're not living our purpose. And when you don't live your purpose, you've got an, a hole in your heart. For the new believers in the house, this is how we glorify God. It's not just showing up to church and lifting up our hands and worship like we did today. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. Our mission is how we glorify God. And for the mature believers in the room, those that have taken a few laps, this is the mark of maturity. You can't be mature if we're not leading on this battlefield. And so let's jump in. Let's define the battlefield. What is our mission? Matthew 28, 19. It says, therefore go, everybody say go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There's a lot of verbs in that verse, and so let's just highlight them real quick. We're gonna go, we're gonna make disciples, we're gonna baptize, we're gonna teach, right? And we're gonna know that God's with us. There's a lot of stuff in there to do. And so how do we stay on this mission? How do we stay on the battlefield? Number one, if you wanna grab your notes there, there's a pen in the seat back pocket in front of you. You can fill it in or you can go to the Mosaic Church app and the notes are there available for you as well. Let's jump in. Number one, 
How do we stay on mission on the battlefield? We take personal responsibility for the mission. We take personal responsibility. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just those that are really good at evangelism. It's not just their job. No, each and every one of us who have called ourselves a follower of Christ, we say, God, I'm going to take personal responsibility for this mission. You see, as the body of Christ, we all have different functions, but we all have the same mission. Think about that. You might serve and do things a little bit different than I do, but your mission is no different than mine. Romans 10, 14 through 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Let me break it to you. Just me preaching on a Sunday morning, I'm not going to reach everybody we need to reach as a church. Our live stream, as, as great as it is, and um, it's, it's not as, as effective as we need it to be to reach everybody that we could potentially reach as a church. And so what would happen if you personalized this verse and, and you thought there are people in my life that will never know and will never hear if I don't speak up? That's what personalizing responsibility for this mission looks like. That we say, I have a job to do. Me? You? Yes, you. We have to go and tell. I love how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. He says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. That's a pretty extreme point of view. That he's saying, hey, I'm going to lay aside my wants, my ambitions, my dreams, my hopes. I'm going to become a slave to others for the expressed purpose to bring people, to bring many to Christ. Love that. He's saying, I lay down my life in service to others. You see, get this, church. The gospel, it's you-centered. You know, it's all about you and, for, and what Jesus did for you until you experience it. Think about this. For God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's about you. And the gospel is all about you coming into a right, right relationship with Jesus Christ. But the moment that you accept that, and the moment that you start living in that, once you've experienced the gospel, then that gospel in your life becomes others-centered. You turn the corner from being off the team to on the team. You went from watching people shoot layups to now you're going to the hole. You're shooting the layups. You're scoring the points. And it happens like that. It happens in an instant when Jesus makes you a new creation and he completely rearranges your priorities in your, in your life. And you say, whoa, I've got a new outlook on life. I've got a new purpose for living. And the gospel becomes about them and not just you. Jesus died for a reason. He died to be shared with the world. And the moment that you accept that gift, you become responsible for sharing it.
2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I don't know what exemplifies, you know, taking personal responsibility more than that, that I'm actually speaking for God and I'm pleading with others, come back to Jesus. He loves you, he died for you. He want, he's got plans and a purpose for your life. We're pleading. Man, when we take personal responsibility for the mission, that means that we're gonna get this mission into our lives. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, the behavior down the hall trumps the vision that's on the wall. The behavior in your life, at your house, at work, it trumps the vision that maybe is on the wall. You know, we might say that we care about people. We might say that we're a a church on mission that wants to reach people for Christ. But the behavior in your life trumps what we say. When we take personal responsibility, we realize and we're aware of the fact that 80% of the churches in America are, are 100 are people or less. And they're not growing, they're in decline. When we take personal responsibility, then, then we know that we, if we're not intentionally engaged in the mission, then we're missing it. We've gotta take personal responsibility, telling, inviting, making disciples, pleading. Listen, the world is tired of people and organizations that say one thing but do another. Let's live our mission. Consumerism is harmful to the body of Christ. It's like a cancer. So don't just be a consumer. When we don't personalize the mission, we we become content consumers. Be the church personally. You gotta take on this attitude that says, I'm commissioned, I'm called, I'm equipped, and I'm sent out to complete this mission. Number two, if you're gonna stay on the battlefield, then we've gotta get prepared every single day. We gotta get prepared every single day. What does this look like? What does this look like? Jesus gave us an incredible gift, and his name is the Holy Spirit, and he's a person. And he resides in you from the moment you give your heart and life to Christ. But that's not all. That's not all. In Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For us, that looks like in Milford, in Claremont County, in Cincinnati, in in Ohio, in the United States, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's all our responsibility. That's why we do things like one day to feed the world. That's why you're bringing your sweet potato cans and crashing that table out there. I can't wait for it to collapse and fall over. It's gonna. I think we're right about there. You guys are killing it. Next Sunday's the deadline, by the way. <laughs> Acts 13.52 says, the disciples were continually... Remember, we said, well, you got to get prepared every single day. It says the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This isn't a one-time deal. This isn't a thing that just happens one time. It's every day. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You see, what we should seek, and this applies to all Christians, is that God pours his spirit upon us so completely that we're filled with joy, that we're victorious over sin, and that we are filled with boldness to witness. Those are the three things that we're focusing on. God, I want your joy. I want to kick sin in the you-know-what. And I'm going to be bold to witness. Listen. 
you and I are as close to God as we want to be. He hasn't moved. And so don't let anything stop you from getting prepared and being filled with the Holy Spirit every single day so that you can complete the work that God has given you to do. Galatians 5.16 says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So daily I'm yielding. Daily I'm prioritizing. Daily I'm saying, Holy Spirit, guide my life. If I don't yield every day, if I don't get prepared every day, I'm continually on the one-way interstate called self. Acts 4.31. Remember, we're getting prepared every day, and I'm filling, I'm filling your bucket with lots of tools to do it. It says, after this prayer, so they were praying, a whole big group of people, and it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. You say, Joe, I'm not bold. I don't know what to say. I don't know who to tell. I don't know what to do. Get filled. Before you leave your house in the morning, invite the Holy Spirit to give you boldness. That's what he's there for, and God has afforded it to every single believer. Are you encouraged yet? You can get prepared every single day. Listen, we would be shortchanging ourselves in a massive way if we don't seek the power of the Holy Spirit every single day in our lives. If you don't do this every day, you're gonna get steamrolled by life. Other priorities, other wants, other desires, other you know, junk, sin is gonna steamroll you. You've gotta rest in his presence if you wanna run in his battle. You've gotta rest. You get at his feet and you say, Jesus, I know, I know you've showed up for me in the past, but I need you to show up for me again. Church, you're in a battle. The enemy wants to tear down your family. He wants to rip it apart. He wants to see you get out of ministry. He wants you to think you're so tired that you don't have what it takes. And the answer isn't a six-week vacation, although wouldn't that be nice? Come on, somebody. I want to go sit on a beach somewhere most days. But the answer isn't that. That's such a temporary fill. The answer is getting at his feet and resting in his presence so that I can run in his battle. And so the prayer is, God, fill me, break me, mold me, use me, make me bold and strengthen me. Fill me with joy, make me victorious and a conqueror over sin and make me bold to witness. The third thing that we want to do if we're going to stay on God's battlefield, if we're going to stay on mission, got to be bold. It's time to take the gloves off. That doesn't mean mean. It doesn't mean rude. It doesn't mean unwise. Bold means bold. Confident. A little Holy Ghost swagger in your life, I might say. Acts 4.13 the disciples had been called in for preaching the name of Jesus. They were in trouble. And this, was, this, this is what it says. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men. Somebody say, I'm ordinary. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So you get prepared every day. You get with Jesus. You seek his face. And what comes out of that is boldness. And when people see you, they're not going to see you anymore. They're going to see something that's more than you. They're going to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. 
Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to speak it out with all the boldness I can muster. Acts 4.20. The disciples, when they were confronted by these, these members of the council, they said, we cannot stop telling everyone everything about what we've seen and heard. They can't stop. Listen, the mission has never changed, but our methods might change. And I, would just, I just want to encourage some of you to think outside of the box. Where have I not been on mission? Who have I not been talking to? And what's a different way I can approach that conversation? What's a different way I can get myself in the game? Jesus says, don't put new wine in, or in, in old wineskins. You gotta put new wine in new wineskins. So every day is a new day. Be open to the Holy Spirit. To, for him to make you bold in that new day, bold in how you reach people, bold in how you, you, you speak into people's lives. The fourth thing that we've got to do if we're going to stay on mission, we've got to manage distractions. We've got to manage distractions. And I think this is probably our biggest stumbling block to stand on mission. There are so many distractions in this world. So many. Man, we've got the massive library of Netflix. We've got Hulu. We've got Disney Plus. We've got Amazon Prime. You've got more content at your fingertips than you've ever had in your life. And I enjoy a show, a show now and then. Love it. It's a nice way to decompress with my family. But there's other distractions. There's schedules that get so full that there's no room for Jesus. There's priorities that, that although good and fun, just completely take over. And you have got to figure out for yourself and for your family what your rhythm looks like. But listen, here's what I know. Mission drifts and vision leaks. Mission drifts and vision leaks. And so when you say, God, this is the mission you've called me to, and God, this is the vision that you've given me, you know, over time, if you don't keep filling that tank, it's gonna leak out, it's gonna drip out. And if you don't continually fill it up, all of a sudden you're gonna be left with a life that is empty of mission and empty of vision. Because distractions poke holes in it all day long. Distractions always affect us personally before they affect us organizationally. And so I would encourage you anytime you see a deficit in our church or in our body, something that we should be doing that, that we're not doing or something that could be a great thing, before you come running to me and saying, Joe, why aren't we doing this? You first ask yourself the question, God, is this something you're calling me to do? God, is this, is this because I've gotten distracted, so distracted that I haven't been able to be a part and help fulfill what God wants our church to do? You see, individual distractions contribute to a collective distraction. And all of a sudden, we've got a lot of people, but we're not doing much. And we never want our church to get there. And so how do we not get there? By individually staying on point and on mission and not get so distracted. Little shifts get you off course big time. What are some distractions that, that really trip us up? Here's some that I, I see all the time. Criticism. Being critical is a cheap gift. People that are constantly critical of everything but never get in the game. It's a huge distraction. 
And guess what? It doesn't just distract the person that is critical. It distracts all the people that have to listen to the person that is critical. Man, let me tell you as a pastor, man, I'm trying hard to stay on mission. I'm trying hard to keep us going. And every little criticism has the potential of getting me off track. What does the Bible say? Don't forsake the meeting, the, you know, meeting together of the believers, but build each other up. And all the more as we see the day approaching, build it up. So don't be a critic. The loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. So don't be that way. Build up. Say, God, help me not to be distracted by criticism. Help me to get in the game. Another thing that I see that is so prevalent in our church because we're such a consumer-driven society is the sin of preference. Huge distraction when your preference takes precedence over your purpose. When your preference takes precedent over the mission that God has called us collectively to as a church. What what is this look like? I don't like the music. Well, guess what? We weren't singing for you anyway. Come on now. We're not singing for you. We're singing for the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the God of all creation. And so get over it and look to Jesus. Oh, the music is too loud. Well, you say that, and some people say it's too quiet. So get over it. Get some earplugs if you need to. It's okay. That's, that's allowed. And we'll glorify God. The sin, the sin of preference. Well, I don't like how, how that person talks. His voice just annoys me. Well, hey, go to a different life group. Get over it and move on. It's the sin of preference. And if you allow your life to be continually distracted by the sin of preference, you'll find yourself out of the game and on the sidelines so fast. Revelation 22, 2 2 and 4 says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Distracted. We can be doing a whole lot of great, a whole lot of good, but we got to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? And then number four as we close today. Don't stop until it's over. You say, Joe, when is it going to be over? I'm tired. Man, I've lived a long life. I've, I've, I've run the race. I, I'm just tired. Joe, when is it going to be over? Don't stop until it's over. The Bible's really clear about when it's going to be over. And guess what? It has to do with our mission. Matthew 24, 14, it says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. So what do we do? We don't stop until it's over. We keep preaching. We keep talking. We keep telling. We keep living a good witness in front of other people until the whole world hears. And then the end will come. Acts 13, 47 says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to where? To the ends of the earth. Don't stop until it's over. The ends of the earth. We're getting there, church. Man, one of my favorite things is how the body of Christ comes together in this world. And one of my favorite stories of this is is, uh, Life Church in Oklahoma City. From the beginning of that church, they decided they're just going to give everything away. And I love that. I love that attitude. That's why I love one day, because we're giving it away. 
And they said, hey, let's, and this was at the beginning of apps. They said, let's create this Bible app. Why? Because we believe every person in the world should have access to God's word. And so they created this app for free. Well, they paid for it, the development of an app. But, and then they gave it away to the whole world. Did you know half a billion people have the Bible app on their phone? Because a church in Oklahoma City said yes to Jesus, to getting God's word to the ends of the earth. And every single year, more and more languages are being added to that app. And more and more people are being able to hear the word of God in their own language. And they're funding the development of Bibles in new languages that have never had a Bible in their, in their, in their language all the time. Why? Because this is our mission, to get God's word to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. You see, our job is not to get distracted by end time events. Oh, the world is getting bad. Oh, the coronavirus. Oh, all this social stuff that is like, you know, kind of boggling our minds. What is gonna happen? Oh, it's so bad. Guess what? That's a side issue. Our number one issue is getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Because only then will we finish our race. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Church, don't get distracted. This is our call. This is our mission. Don't let anything get you off course. What do I do? I'm going to be joyful because when the Holy Spirit fills my life, joy is the result. What do we do? I'm going to live right. I'm going to live right. And if you need to rewatch last week's message about righteousness, just go back and watch it. I'm going to live right because it's worth it. Because if I'm going to speak for God, then I got to live like somebody who's following Jesus. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold every single day. I'm going to invite God. God, make me more bold today than I was yesterday. And then what are we going to do? We're going to do it again the next day. And we're going to do it again the next day. And we're never going to get tired of doing good. Why? Because at the proper time, you will reap the harvest if you don't give up. Amen? Amen. So what are we going to do? We're going to take personal responsibility for the mission. We're gonna get prepared every single day. There's no day offs on the battlefield that God's given us. We're gonna be bold. We're gonna manage the distractions in our life. And we're not gonna let the devil pull us off the battlefield with, with, with high sounding nonsense. We're gonna not stop until it's over. Why? Because you were worth it for Jesus to die on the cross for you. And guess what? Your neighbor's worth it. And the kids that we're gonna see in the videos in the weeks to come that don't have enough to eat, they're worth it. And your coworker and your boss and that jerk at work, they're worth it. Every single person that you'll ever lock eyes with matters to Jesus. It's worth it. So we're gonna take this gospel that was about us. And now because we received it, it's now about them. And we're gonna be a part of the biggest force known to humanity, the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us because we are moving forward in the mission that God has given us. We're gonna stay in the game, we're gonna stay in the battlefield, and we're gonna do what God has called us to do. Thanks for joining us online at